0: Let's bring it in right now. This is very important. PGM's Greg Peters with us on Yield and Jim Bianco with us with Bianco Research. Jim, let me go to you right away. I just think this is so, so important. There's a sense of longer. I see a nominal GDP call out 24 months, which is not longer. It's at finally rates come in. Do you buy it? Uh,
1: Well, I buy the idea that you want to be looking at GDP, uh, nominal GDP as being a benchmark for long-term interest rates, but I'm not buying this idea that nominal GDP is going to fall to the levels that they think. If I was to describe, you know, this this confusion that you, we seem to have about this Fed policy, it's they're almost arguing that nothing of significance happened in 2020, and that we are going to return back to normalization—the <coughs> word we like to use—that's replaced transitory—and go back to something between 2010 and 2019, where we can have. You know, two, three, two and a half percent real growth, one percent to two percent inflation, four um, percent nominal growth, and that would bring everything down, and you'd have goldilocks forever. But I'm not so sure that that's the case. I think that the economy has changed since the shutdown restart in 2020, and the Federal Reserve is still struggling to come to grips right. with that, and they're still thinking we're still in the last cycle.
0: Greg, you've got to work with real money here. The decision to extend duration, to find the belly of the curve, all the other professional stuff you do at PGM. Does the language and the nuance of the forecast and the dots, does that change your conviction in what you're doing with your portfolios?
2: Well, I would say that we're finally getting what we've been Thinking for quite some time, and that is higher for longer, right? The markets have been raging against this notion that rates will remain high. All the forward curves are pointing down, the dot plot pointing down. So I think this really throws cold water on that. And so for us at PJM, you know, we really think it's a higher for longer. Uh, we never felt the need to jump into duration. Um, you know, maybe it's closer to that now, uh, but more in the back end of the curve. So. Look I mean I think the Fed delivered exactly what they wanted to uh, provide a hawkish uh, sap that allows them to speak more dovishly and perhaps not move rates higher here.
3: Hey, Greg it's not just the high for longer message that jumps off the page of the SCP. It's the growth inflation mix looking out a year two years that they believe you can get back to target 2 percent and unemployment's going to drift higher maybe to 4 percent and basically stop there. Greg that has big implications for how you invest elsewhere beyond rates bonds and to credit. Is that your outlook that basically we can achieve back to target inflation barely shaking up the labor market in any way shape or form.
2: Well, it is very aspirational. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that is a Goldilocks type of uh, outlook. If you have an environment where, you know, rates remain uh, higher, but growth is quite robust and inflation is coming down, I think that is a fantastic investing backdrop. I do think we're pretty close to it. The challenge, of course, on the table is all these different uncertainties and cross-currents, and that has not uh, gone away by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, we need to take these these forecasts with a grain of salt. There's no different than, you know, our own forecasts, right? They're uh, rife with, with uh, uncertainties. But You know I do think there's a distinct possibility here at least directionally. And um, you know I feel pretty good about the outlook.
3: Jim Bianco do you feel pretty good about the outlook.
1: Uh, You know if we're talking about the outlook about the Fed um, you know I have my issues with it like everybody else. But to feed on something that Greg just said let's be real. We all have forecasts and most likely they're all wrong. But that's okay, because we're not being expected to predict the future. The key is whether or not we can adjust. We can see that, okay, the data's coming in not as we expected, and we need to adjust these forecasts. Now, the Federal Reserve, in the last couple of years, has not had a good track record on that. We can all remember transitory. And what I'm afraid of with this Goldilocks forecast is when the situation comes in that it's not panning out, they're going to dig in their heels and continue to say it will And they might wind up making another transitory type of mistake in 2024. I'd like to see Chairman Powell, you know, show some flexibility with these forecasts to say, look, this is what we think now. But if the circumstances and data comes in soon, that's out the window and we're going to adjust. And that, like I said, that is okay. That is what you should do with a forecast, not just keep at it because you're afraid of some embarrassment of having to change it.
0: Uh, Jim Bianco, the laureate, Paul Krugman, with a wonderful essay on disinflation, and he really emphasized what the Fed doesn't look at, which is plain vanilla inflation. Are they just miss in the fog of London, in the fog of Washington, the fog of across America. Are they missing a disinflationary tendency in place?
1: Uh, I don't necessarily think they are missing a disinflationary tendency. I happen to be in the camp that inflation on a year-over-year basis, I'm talking about headline CPI, has bottomed for the year. It's going to drift towards 4%, not much higher than that. Wow. Um, energy prices are going to be a big factor in that drift higher. And that will be enough maybe to give us that one more rate hike that they're looking for and to at least justify going from two from four to two cuts uh, next year. And I think that if that continues, that the December update of this plot will probably take those two cuts away as well. So I'm in that inflation is sticky camp and that the Fed is going to have to come to the realization that they're not going to get close um, to three percent. So the disinflation that they're hoping for, that inflation comes down, the unemployment rate could stay at four. It's been described here as fanciful. And I would also be in that camp too that it is fanciful. And we'll have to see whether or not
0: that type of situation unfolds. Uh John moments ago rounded up the 10 year real yield to
3: 2%. This is the Dominic Constant at Mizzou's idea of we are restrictive. Forgive me for thinking out loud, gents. There's a very, very simplistic approach to markets. You get econo- economic information, data, you think about what it means for the Fed, and you trade accordingly. Now, Greg, I wonder if that's just changed off the back of these forecasts from the Federal Reserve. And let me go one step further and explain why. The first Friday of the month we'll get a payrolls report. And if that payrolls report is hot typically we'd sit there and say well labor market pressure higher inflation Fed has to do more work. But Greg hasn't the Fed just told us haven't they just de-emphasised the importance of the labor market to the inflation conversation.
2: Jonathan, I think that's putting way too much emphasis uh, uh, on the SEP and the forecasts. I mean, at the end of the day, we're in this data-driven world. Uh, The Fed is trying to balance that out. And I think the markets, given the fact that we're in this data-driven world and we're not getting what we're wanting uh, uh, in terms of clarity out of the Fed, we're relying a little too much on this uh, data release. So, I don't think anything changes. I think if the data change, I think the Fed policy changes. Um, and you know, it's also important to remember two things. One is that you know they don't have inflation going down to uh, you know two percent until 2026, which is you know quite some time from now. And then two, we just had a massive revision of GDP in this year. So you know, let's use that as a kind of a reminder that uh, forecast error is really quite high here.
3: And Jim, what are your thoughts on the same question?
1: Yeah, if I could give you a cynical thought, that is that let's see if we even get a payroll report on October 6th, because if we have a government shutdown, the BLS is closed (laughs) and Mike McKee's sitting in front of an empty building on that morning. So leaving that aside, I I do think, though, that if you're talking about the payroll report, the consistency about it has been it's been much stronger than we've been looking at for the last 14, 18 months or so, all but something like two or three of the reports have been uh, above consensus. And that seems to be the trend that I would think would stay in place. And if we see those kind of numbers uh, come in, it's going to push everybody firmly into that away from that Goldilocks and into that higher for longer right. camp
0: as well. We're got to make some money to get home here, John Farrow. Ian Lingen, the screaming buy of the 10-year yield, just says this is a Fed doubling down on soft landing. Uh, Mr. Lingen, of course, at BMO Big Capital. Time. Greg, Greg Peters, if they're doubling down on soft landing, for you at PGM, is the 10-year yield a screaming buy?
2: No, I don't quite understand that um, logic, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, what that would presuppose is that uh, you'd have a healthy dose of cuts uh, um, in response to that soft landing. So, no, I I think yields are relatively range bound here. Um, I don't really see a big move uh, either way. Yeah, it does look a little oversold. There's some technical dynamics, but ultimately on a medium-term basis, uh, it looks pretty fair value to us. So um, I don't think the bond market, investing in the bond market is not about capital appreciation. That is a pre-pandemic trade. It is about uh, roll and carry. And so, no, I don't expect it as a screaming buy.
3: With that in mind, Greg, if there's a pool of money, people sitting at home right now, they're sitting on the front end, they've been told by a couple of people that they should worry about reinvestment risk in the next six months and allocate accordingly further down the curve, are you saying relax, patience, you find where you are?
2: Yeah, so I've been saying that uh, the, uh, the whole time. No one wants to listen to it, right? I think there's been this tendency <laughs> to jump back into the pool because these you know, higher rates are going to evaporate. What the Fed has told you today, what the markets are finally starting to respond to is that, no, these rates are uh, actually around here for a while. So, um, yeah, so I don't think there's any yeah, yeah. reason to rush. And so we like duration, it- but we wouldn't go hell's bells. Sorry.
0: No. And then let's fold this into Jim Bianco. I mean, John, it's just simple. <laughs> Bianco was way out front with this idea of defining what longer looks like with a 10 year yield, and he's in the camp with Greg Peters.
3: Hey, Jim, this was great. Jim Bianco, together with Greg Peters, thank you guys, going into this Federal Reserve news conference.